exactly sure how to turn it off and didn't know what it would do. Um, if y'all would uh, turn with me to Titus chapter 3. Yeah, Brother Kenneth uh, reached out to me Monday to be ready um, because he was going to have a root canal and some things done today. And uh, But uh, he said he thought he'd be able to teach. And then he uh, reached back out to me today and said uh, no, uh, <laughs> that he wasn't going to be able. So uh, please pray for him. Um, I know one thing I'm bad about. The only time I go to the dentist is when something starts hurting. I, d- I just really hate to pay people to hurt me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but so I don't go until it starts hurting and I'm already there and I need some help. Um, but you know, we're, we we got our uh, Wednesday night crowd and people who are usually very faithful to the Lord in lots of different ways. And it may sound a little unusual that the topic of the lesson tonight is going to be Christian service. But the thing is, is just like in the book of Proverbs, the Lord repeats himself many, many times uh, in the scriptures, and you ask yourself, well, why? I mean, if God said it once, it's enough. But the thing is, I think we all need reminding. And, and I know I've been guilty in my own mind of remembering the things I've done in the past and dwelling on them and not realizing they're in the past, Rick, uh, but God's left you on the earth yet today. And so there must be something he wants me to accomplish yet today. And, of course, tomorrow is not ours to control. Uh, so I think it's always good to go back into God's Word and look at things. And uh, so Christian service, and we'll look at Titus uh, chapter 3 and verse 8. And it says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So, um, you know, the scriptures just tell us to stay busy in good works. In fact, uh, 30 different times, either in the singular or in the plural, uh, good works are mentioned in the New Testament. So um, the Lord thinks it's important. And so every member of the Lord's church should have a ministry that they've invested themselves into. It could be the prayer ministry. It could be the meals ministry. It could be Awanas. It could be, there's just no limit to the different types of ministries we can put ourselves into. Physically, we may find ourselves limited, but then ask God, well, what's next? Um, You know, uh, we just don't know exactly what the Lord would have us do at different times in our lives, but we can pray. And if we're busy doing the things we already know we ought to do, we'll be in that perfect place for God to reveal his will to us. Um, I've had people ask me many times, I wish I knew what God's will was for my life. And really the answer is so simple. Just get busy doing the things you already know you ought to be doing. I mean, there's no reason to go to Lesson 102 if you're not doing Lesson 101. Uh, And so if you're where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing with the right attitude, you'll be in the perfect place for God to lay the next thing on your heart, whatever it is. 
And so we need to make ourselves available. And the reason we talk about the whole church family needs to be busy is because we could look like we won't turn to it now, but in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 through 25, Paul writing there describes the body, the church of Christ, as like a, a human body, has different members, does different functions. But, you know, it would be hard to be standing up here with one of my legs gone or something else. You know, I need them all. And uh, so we just need to realize that we all have opportunities and we need to take advantage of I've known people who were nothing more than encouragers. They found ways to be an encouragement. I remember uh, uh, Mrs. Yobi, Shirley Yobi up in Ohio. Uh, she's gone to be with the Lord now. But she got uh, MS real, real bad, and uh, she was in a lot of pain all the time. Uh, had to be helped by her husband in and out of a wheelchair and into the car. But if that lady, you could see that lady's face, and it would, you could just tell she was in a terrible pain. But she was there, and if she saw you were looking at her, immediately a smile came up on your face. And boy, you talk about humbling yourself or the excuses that I've made in the past to find some reason to excuse myself uh, and saw what she was battling through. Uh, it was humbling. And uh, so her, her role, just by her smile and her presence, uh, was a encouragement to me to stay in the fight and so we but the thing to look at on good works look with me in in same chapter verse 5 works has absolutely nothing to do with salvation it says not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the holy ghost in other words, we, you can't work your way to heaven. Uh, if you're try, if, you know, the key, like I said, if you're visiting with lost loved ones, uh, anyone you're concerned about that may be lost, they think they're saved, uh, people that belong to different faiths who have different belief systems, um, um, like the prayer request earlier uh, that Miss Candy made about her, her friend, um, at least I believe it was you that made it. I had I was sitting over here, but um, is to get them to open up and, in their own words, explain to you what they think will make the difference. Why will God let me into heaven? What's going to make the difference? Try not to interrupt. Try not to coach them. Let them reveal to you, like, if I wanted to know how to get to heaven, what do you think is required? And through their conversation, they'll reveal to you what their trust is in. Now, we might use the word faith, but if they're a person who's unchurched, their confidence. They're, this is the reason God's going to let me into heaven. And if it isn't Jesus Christ on the cross, um, it's in the wrong thing. And that'll help you then know how to lead them to Christ or at least you know, get convinced in your own mind that they're truly lost and how to pray and ask God to bring about the results that need to be done. So we cannot work our way to heaven. But after we're saved, we need to be busy uh, serving our Lord. In the book of Ephesians, go with me if you would to chapter 2. 
some very common verses uh, that we Baptists use a lot um, about being adamant about the fact that you can't work your way to heaven. But something we need to look at also. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. In other words, it's a free gift of God, but you've got to accept it by faith. Um, For by grace are you saved through faith and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I tell you what, I, had a, I used to work for a bunch of folks that were all Church of Christ people, and they definitely believe in works. You've got to be baptized. I'd always ask them, well, can you baptize yourself? And they'd say, no. Then I said, so God can't save? And they didn't really have a good answer for that. And then they said, well, you've got to be part of the, if they don't say Church of Christ on the door, you're not in the right church, but in the book of First and Second Corinthians, Paul addresses his letter to the church of God at Corinth. So evidently Paul didn't know where he's supposed to be. Um, you know, but they really dislike these verses. But what they want to do, and they'll try to always take you to, is the next verse, verse 10. They want to jump past verses 8 and 9 and go to 10 because it talks of works. But they think it's works to get saved. And the fact is, it's works because you are saved. And verse 10 says, for ye are his workmanship. That right there ought to just kill anything about the fact that I'm doing anything to get anything. It's his workmanship. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. How could it be anything about me? It's Christ Jesus doing the good works through me. Um, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Yes, God has expectations of his children. And we should try to live in light of that expectation and not have him upset with us. I mean, you just really don't want the Heavenly Father upset with you. How, how many of you liked it when your own daddies were upset with you? The consequences could be sometimes rather quick. Uh, that's how my dad tended to deal with it. It was right then, right now, let's get it over with. And, uh, and that was that he didn't like doing it. So he did it very thoroughly. So you didn't, he didn't have to do it very often. Uh, but the thing is our heavenly father loves us enough to chasten us. He tells us he will. He said, in fact, every child he's ever received, he's chastened. Uh, so we need to be busy about the works. He has expectations for us, but it's because we are saved. Not to get saved. But in the book of Ephesians, the first um, three chapters talk about our uh, doctrine and worship. But then the last two are about duty. Uh, Our duty, well, the last three chapters are about duties and works. And then in Romans, it's divided about the same way. Verses 1 through 11 is again about uh, deals with doctrine uh, and then we sit there and go to verses 12 through, or chapters 12 through 16, and it's all about our duty. So know your doctrine, know why you believe what you believe, and then practice it. And uh, so again, we're called to into Christian service. And the, but the place for the good works is after salvation. It's not to get saved. It's because you are saved.
But then the purpose of good works is first to glorify God. Um, Go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10, we'll look at uh, verse 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Our purpose in life after salvation is to uh, glorify God. God has chosen that to, for him to receive glory from our lives is to magnify his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll obey my commandments. You, you'll get busy in the work. And so he, God, because of Jesus' obedience, uh, once he came down and was incarnate as a man and went all the way to the cross for us, has put everything in heaven and earth under his feet. And so he has chosen, if you want to glorify God, you will do it through the magnification of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the reason he's the Lord of our church. It's the reason we should do our ministries through the church. That way, if any glory comes from it, any praise comes from it, it'll all come back to the church. And who's the Lord of that church? It's our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so we're to do it all for the glory of God. Now, we won't turn to these verses, but I'll give them to you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 is the first mention of good works. In 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 12 is the last mention of good works. But if you look at both of them, the intent is the same and they had a purpose. And that purpose was that the lost will see your good works and glorify God. In other words, in, for, in Peter there, um, the 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 12 Peter's telling them, if people try to criticize you and they're trying to find fault in you, well, the best way to do that is your good works will just make it hard for them to get traction, for lack of a better word. It just complicates their job uh, and um, almost goes along with the line of what our Lord Jesus told us, that if you get slapped on one side of the face, turn the other one to him. People throw things at you. They try to verbally abuse you. They try to do different things to provoke you. They they know how they would respond in the flesh. And when we try to handle it in a Christ-like way, they just, they're just confused. They're baffled. They don't know how to move ahead. may not mean that they get right right away, but you've definitely put a picture in front of them of Christ and a chance later, Lord willing, to witness to them. Um, so you may ask, well, what, what defines good works? And definition that I have here in my notes is anything done according to God's will and for his glory. It's like I said, it's, it's in God's will. So if, you try, if you're saying, well, God's led me to do something and it's contrary to this, no, that wasn't God that led you. And since there's only two spirits in this world, uh, influences, if you will, God the Holy Spirit and the satanic influence. Just be careful that you're always staying in obedience to this book. 
And how are you going to know you're in obedience to his book? Well, you've, you've got to study it. You've got to make yourself acquainted with it. Um, but as we move ahead, you know, our motivations uh, for, you know, in obedience. Go with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 6. And in Romans chapter 6, we'll start in verse 16. Paul writing here says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants, uh, yield yourself servants to obey, get my tongue untied. Know ye not to whom, to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But thank, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So we need to do our Christian service out of obedience to the Lord. We need to do it out of love. And then if you go with me to Colossians chapter 3, again, I'm keeping pretty close to the same area um, in these verses, but I've learned a long time ago, I'd rather let the Word of God teach than me. Um, but in Colossians 3 verse 17, we need to do it in Jesus' name. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Um, so again, we see uh, the purpose of our good works is to glorify God, but also it's for our own good. And you say, well, how could it be for my own good? Well, go with me, if you would, to James uh, well, I'll just read it to you, but you can write this down. James chapter 2, verse 18. Our behavior after we claim we got saved ought to be in line with God's will for his children. In other words, you ought to have a desire to do good works. And James made a comment basically at this point. He says, I will show thee my faith by my works. In other words, if you have no desire to do something for God, you need to examine yourself if you're truly in the faith. You know, you go to the little book of uh, 1 John, 38 different times uh, the little word know, I want you to know something, is in that little book. And almost every time that I've taught it in my Sunday school class, I usually do it about every five years or so, there has always been somebody who thought they were saved get saved during the course of that teaching. They may not get saved in my class, but they come up in the worship hour or something like that. Because in it, it is full of contrast. It sits there and says, if you have these things in your life, you're saved. If you don't have them in your life, you're not saved. And the whole thing is, as John says, that he wrote these things unto you basically so that you'll know. In other words, he's, you know, he, he's that old 
uh, apostle probably in his 90s when he's writing it and he uses the phrase my little children but it's God the Holy Spirit that inspired him to write it so that's how God looks at it uh, uh, my little children and he don't want you to fret about things and so he's sitting there saying if, if you have these things in your life you're saved don't let Satan mess with you don't let Satan bother you about your salvation but if you don't have these things in your life sure don't want you to go to hell so you need to think about it and add them to your life. So um, we see here that evidence of our uh, salvation ought to be a comfort. In other words, I have a desire. I want to be in God's house. I want to be around God's people. I want to be in God's word. I want to be used of the Lord. And there's a desire, and it has nothing to do with trying to make God love me more or anything else, God's already proven to me how much he loved me. He sent Jesus to the cross. And he's been my constant friend and guidance of the Holy Spirit in my heart all through my life since I got saved. I don't serve my God so that he'll love me more. I just serve him because I love him. I also am smart enough to realize that my life can hinder his ability to bless me. And so if I'm in disobedience, if you have a kid that's acting out, that's not the time to buy him a candy bar. Uh, You know, you're just going to encourage that kind of attitude. So God being a perfect father, he'll withhold blessings trying to get our attention. So uh, it's for our good in that regard. And then again, like it said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, it'll silence critics. People looking for ways to badmouth you, talk about you. And if you handle it right, prayerfully, uh, and not in the flesh, it just silences those critics eventually. Um, and then the thing is, we have this opportunity to win crowns. If we're in Christian service, we have this opportunity to win crowns. And then what are we going to do with those crowns when we get to heaven? We're going to throw them at Jesus' feet. And what that's going to be is our way of saying, thank you so much for going to that cross for me. And then, did you go looking for God or did God go looking for you? I found God go looking for Rick. And I praise God. I mean, to think about that, he, he, he sacrificed himself on the cross, but then he used the church and the Holy Spirit and people that uh, were allowed that he that they allowed him to use them to influence me and bring me to the saving knowledge of his son. I mean, I owe him so much, and the only way we're going to truly have a way of saying thank you is by those crowns that we have to throw at his feet because it's going to represent our lives. It's going to represent our motives while we did our good works. It's just everything about our lives is going to be represented in those crowns. We're going to be there for one reason, and that's because Jesus Christ died for us on a cross. And we're going to have a chance to say thank you. And our life is going to be that gift, our our actions after we got saved. And it's going to be represented by those crowns that we have because if we did them with the bad, with wrong motives, looking for attention, doing this or doing that, we won't have them. And it'll be apparent. Uh, but if we have them, it's going to represent what our life summed up to be in Christian service to him. And it's going to be our way of saying thank you so much for loving me like you did and do.
Um, excuse me as I turn the page. And then the power of good works. Go with me in the Gospel of John chapter 5. That back monitor never did come on, so I have no idea what time it is. So, uh, so we'll we'll see what happens here. Uh, the gospel, gospel of John, uh, chapter fifteen. It'll help me if I go to fifteen and not five. Uh, the verse is ch- verse five. John chapter fifteen, verse five. Jesus speaking here, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Um, You know, the thing is, if we try to do things in our own strength, what is it going to accomplish? Nothing. I mean, we got God's the son promising us the end result of efforts in our own strength. And that is nothing. How do you want to, you know, end your life? And, you know, the sum total of it is, you know, zero. So if we try to do things in our own strength, in our own way, not according to the will of God, uh, it's just not going to happen. So our power, our ability to do good works comes from Jesus Christ, abiding in Jesus Christ. So again, if it was going to get me to heaven, how much power does my good works going to have getting me into heaven? I mean, if I can't do anything without Christ, where where can the imagination come from that somehow I'm going to work my way into heaven? I, I just don't understand the logic. It may make the flesh feel good, but there's just no logic in it. How are you going to take the precious blood of Jesus Christ and mix, mix filthy rags with it, which is what my righteousness is, and somehow at the end of the day it's going to come out better? It, it's not. But So the power of God uh, comes from abiding in Christ. So if we're going to try to do a good work for God, a service to, for God, you're going to have to do it prayerfully, and in obedience to his word, and allow him to be the one that leads us. Um, A statement here says, where the will of God leads us, the power of his grace will enable us. And, um, you know, there many folks that I've talked to doubt their abilities um, to do Christian service. And and they're, they're, they're absolutely right. They ought to have doubts about their abilities to minister. Because if you don't have doubts about your ability to minister, you'll be up here in your own strength. And so if you're not abiding in Christ, what's it going to accomplish? Nothing. And so you should. But the thing is, is just look at tithing. Christian service to me is almost like, to me, a good picture of it is tithing. Mathematically, 90% cannot go as far as 100%. I mean, in human logic, human effort, everything you want to look at in economy, anything you want, 
If you tithe, your 90% can't go as far as 100%. It just can't until you input God and his promises to us to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. We have so many precious promises that we find out that if I do what I'm told to do, God blesses me more than I can imagine. And so the thing is, it's the same thing with Christian service. If you do it in God's will, God's way, with the right motivation, your humble abilities will be more than efficient because God will step in right along beside you and empower it. And he'll allow you to do things you never could believe that you could do. uh, I'll read this to you, but you can write it down. 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 16, verse 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those uh, whose heart is perfect toward him. In other words, God's looking for someone that he can get behind them and make it happen because they're stepping out by faith. They've prayed about it, they've asked about it, and they're stepping out by faith. They may be just as terrified as they can be, but God's looking for people that he can come up and support them and help them do more things than they ever dreamt that they could do. He, he, he wants you to win because you're trying to serve him in whatever ministry you're trying to do. But we're so timid. We're so, we hold back. We're unwilling to step out. And because of it, God's sitting there. He can't, he can't intercede. I mean, he's not going to pick you up by the nap of the neck and take you out there and run you all around doing door knocking and doing this and doing that. No, but he can empower what you do. Uh, every time I've ever seen a church do a outreach, do it, be it um, putting tracks on doors, doing different things like that, I have rarely seen anybody that we left a track on their door come to the church. But what I've seen is total strangers come in from other places looking for church homes And I think our Father does it in such a way that I see that effort over there, but I'm not going to let the flesh get a victory and you somehow think you did something. But he he blesses the effort and he sends the increase his way. And it's all to his honor and to his glory. But we need to be out there doing his work. We need to be trying to do Christian service. Um, We need to be willing to do service for Christ we need to do it in Christ in other words you've got to be saved before you can do it we need to do it through Christ we need to ask his blessings we need to get permission in our heart to step out and do it and ask him to empower it and we need to do it for Christ we need to have our heart's desire set in such a way that our motives are pure um I'm going to read a quote to you. Brother David actually used it 10 or 15 years ago. Um, But it had to do with service in a way, and it stuck to me. Um, It's a quote by President Teddy Roosevelt that he wrote. And I'm not sure if he was in office at the time that he wrote it, but he goes, It is not the critic who counts, 
Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcomings, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who in the end, excuse me, who knows great enthusiasm and great devotion, who spends himself in a worthy cause. Can you think of a more worthy cause than serving our Lord Jesus Christ? And it says, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. You know, the thing is, you have one life to live. Christ Jesus has paid the price on the cross for our salvation. If you're saved, you're going to heaven. But you have one life to live for Christ. And we're called into Christian service. God has expectations of his children. And we should try our best to please our Heavenly Father. And then have those crowns so that when we stand before our Lord, we can throw them at his feet. And it'll just be our way of saying thank you. Thank you so much for dying for me. But John, would you?